Um, Tamsin, can you just put the words of that uh, second verse of that last song up again? I just think, what an incredible verse. I love this song, but as I just, as we sung through this, I just thought so much of that speaks to what should always be on our hearts. Not only this morning for the message that I'm sharing, but Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. And even just in those three lines, we're going to see something of that in the passages of Scripture that I'm sharing from. And every breath that I take, every moment that I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. That it's all about God. It's all about Him having His way in us. Thanks, Tam. I'd like to just open in prayer, and then we'll dive straight into it. Father God, we thank you this morning for this incredible time that we can come together and meet. The fellowship, the excitement the songs that we've sung, praise and worship to you, Lord Jesus. Your word that we're going to hear now, may it be your word, not a single one of these words be mine, but rather all yours, Lord Jesus, that you would um, just prompt each and every person here to hear the specific words that you have for them in this message. And I just pray for that. I pray, Father God, that this morning would continue to be an intimate moment with you, I pray that we haven't stopped worship now and stopped praising you, and now we're going to listen to somebody just say a few words. No, may every one of us here just stay in that place of worship. May you hear these words that Jesus wants to speak to you now. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. So, I just this morning, um, I think when it was time to share, uh, you know, Joe had said that sort of an open book. <laughs> There's no specific series or anything to start with. And um, I really had on my heart that um, I wanted to bring a message that would get, get the new year off to a good start. A bit stereotype, but, um, but that was what was on my heart. And, um, and you know, I-, I wanted us to realize that Jesus loves us deeply. And he actually wants the best for us every year. And, you know, I think of New Year resolutions where they never last. And, you know, one of the reasons I think they never last is because they never come true. They never actually materialize. And, um, but I, I wanted us to, to just realize that, that God loves us. And, and He wants us every moment of every day to be receiving from Him. And I think we, we live in a time and in a society where nothing's guaranteed. I know we all refer back to COVID and what we've come through, but there were times I remember after the first two-week lockdown thinking to myself, well, it's impossible. You could never, ever lock down an economy for longer than two weeks. And then it went on, and it went on, and it went on. And, you know, nothing, yeah, is for sure. And I realized that there's nothing on earth that's actually secure. There's nothing on earth that we can live for and be sure that we're going to keep it. Because one day we're going to go to heaven. Well, hopefully we're going to go to heaven. <laughs> and, and it's going to be gone. You know, I, th- I think of all the stress that there is in life. How much of that stress is because we fear that we're going to lose what we've got? How much of that stress is fear that we're not going to achieve what we wanted to achieve? Think of it. Think about the things you stress about and you worry about. Hopefully none of you are like me and worry as much as I do, but I worry about these things. And I thought, why? 
Why must we start every year? Every beginning of every year, I say, I hope this is going to be a better year. This is going to happen this year. I've, I know I've said for the last five years that I think this is the year it's going to happen, but this is the year it's going to happen, and at the end of the year, it still hasn't happened. Why do we put so much effort and trust and everything into that? So it led me to a passage of Scripture, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 23. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And so I pondered this over this scripture and, um, and, and started thinking to myself, you know, maybe it's heavenly treasures we should be pursuing at the beginning of every year. Because yeah, it's telling us that these moth and rust are not going to destroy. They're not going to be... Corroded, eroded or corroded away. They're not going to be stolen. And, um, but then I thought to myself, well, yeah, and you know, God's going to want to give us lasting and meaningful treasures. They're not going to be treasures that we're going to have to fear that we're going to lose and, and stuff like that. And, and, and this all started seeming like a pretty good idea. But then I wondered, well, what are these treasures that he's going he's gonna to offer up for us? And um, there were a few commentaries that Joe had lent me that I looked through just for this passage of Scripture. And in one of them, D.A. Carson's, he, he puts it like this. He says, The treasure in question are things which are the result of the divine approval and which will be lavished upon the disciples in the consummated kingdom. The treasure of the new heaven and the new earth are wonderful beyond our wildest expectation. Sometimes the pages of Scripture give us glimpses couched in glittering metaphor as the resources of language are called upon to tell us of things still barely conceivable. At other times, Scripture extrapolates the advanced taste we enjoy here and pictures love undiluted, a way of life utterly sinless, integrity untarnished, Work and responsibility without fatigue. Deep emotions without tears. Worship without restraint or disharmony or shame. And best of all, the presence of God in an unqualified and unrestricted and personal way. Such treasures cannot be assailed by corrosion or theft. And I thought it was just such an incredibly, very high English for me, but we, we got through it. <laughs> and, um, but I just thought, what, a, what an incredible picture. What amazing stuff is, you know, is in there. And, um, and hopefully, as I read that, there were parts of it or all of it where you said, I want that. I want that. Because that's, what, that's where we need to, to go. We, we need to desire what Jesus has for us. 
We need to desire these lasting treasures. These treasures that cannot be taken from us. That we don't have to start this year again and say, well, this is what I want to have happen this year, but is it really going to happen? No, that we can, we can start storing up for ourselves treasures that are going to be eternal. Forget about whether or not it's the, the things on earth. You know, we, we, we take it for granted that we're going to still be around tomorrow or the next day or in 20 years, or in 40 years. We don't even know that. We can't say, I'll start storing up treasures in heaven in 10 years' time. It's like, we need to do it now. We want to be encouraged and have something that's a sure thing in life. We all want a sure thing in life. That's actually, we all desire that. So what do we have to do? Because this, this passage doesn't guarantee a free treasure or treasure that just gets given to us. It's actually saying to us, Jesus tells us, store up treasures in heaven rather than store up treasures on earth. Not I'm going to just give you treasures in heaven. No, he says, store up treasures in heaven rather than storing up treasures on earth. So it tells us that we can't actually have both. We have to choose. We have to choose to desire treasures in heaven. And they're going to come at the price of treasures on earth. You see, what are we taking our time and our efforts and putting them into? Are we putting them into things that bring, are going to bring us treasure in heaven one day? Or we're putting our time and effort into things that are going to store up that, that, for worldly treasures or for heavenly treasures. See, here on earth, if we store up treasures, we've we got to work for them. We've got to make decisions that it's something we want. We've got to make sacrifices for it. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to look at something and we're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to take all my resources, all my time, all my energy, or I'm going to take this amount of resource, time, and energy, and I'm going to put it into this because I want to achieve something. I want to own something. And, and, and we've got to invest all our time. I think for most of us, there's something in our lives that we would, if, if it comes up that you could receive something and you say, that's it, I'll give my all to this. Just sung those words. Lord, I give you my all. I desire something in life. I desire a new boat for my bass fishing. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to start working 14 hours a day instead of 10 hours a day. And I'm going to take every spare cent and I'm going to put it aside. I'm going to hide it from my wife. The problem is she's listening now. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to make sure that, that I get that boat. You see, I've set my eye on a treasure and I've decided I'm going to give it my all. But yeah, it's telling us in this passage, if we want to store up treasures in heaven, we must do it rather than storing up treasures on earth. We need to be taking that time and saying to ourselves, well, if you were to take all your time what is that one thing you'd be willing to give all your time to? 
Is it your career? Is it your bank balance? Is it your family? Or is it God? It's challenging. It's really challenging. But that's what this passage of Scripture is telling us. It's telling us we need to choose which treasures we want. I think if we're going to take this passage of Scripture um, to heart and we're going to be obedient to it, then we need to know. If it seemed like, a, if you also thought that it was a good idea when I started suggesting let's store up some heavenly treasures instead of earthly treasures, if you thought that sounded like a good idea because like me, your last 10 New Year's resolutions and ideas haven't worked out, well then we're going to have to take our time our energy, our resources. And we're going to have to put it into storing up heavenly treasures. I think, for me, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I think sometimes the reason we don't want to do this is we're actually not sure are those treasures going to be worth it. I think sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, it's much easier to give up your time for something you can see than something you can't. I think sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, it's because right here and right now, we've, we very much live for the moment. We live in the moment of saying, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what's going to bring me pleasure now. And it becomes hard to, to say, well, you know, is, is, is living for this future treasure actually worth it today and I think if we look back at that description from D.A. Carson's maybe that's not even quite enough for us maybe even that's just one man's words and we don't know if his words are true or anything like that but what about if Jesus had told you it's going to be worth it What if we read Matthew 7, 11, and it says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is, uh, who, your Father who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask Him? You know, and I just think of here on earth, the good things we'll do for each other. The gifts we'll give for our children walk into the shop and I've had these moments with my own children they say oh look at this and you're but the price no no I didn't ask you if the price was right I asked you do you want it if us as sinful people I heard Joe and them talking earlier and you know grandparents love spoiling the grandchildren <laughs> We, we like that. We love to spoil the people around us. We love it. How much more can God spoil us? How much better is what He's got for us than anything we can think up? How's it ever going to be? So, I want to take some time and, um, and let's just look at the ways how do we store up this treasure in heaven? There's many ways, but I'm just going to touch on a few of them this morning. 
And um, so the first passage we're going to go to is Hebrews 11, verse 6. And Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So the first thing we need to know here is we cannot, um, we cannot store up treasures in heaven if we don't think we're going to heaven or if we're not going to heaven. The first obvious step is we need to be, know we're going to heaven. And we need to know heaven's going to be a good place. We need to have this assurance. That passage of Scripture is saying to us there, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists. And that He rewards those who seek Him. So it's going to start off with, where is your faith? Is your faith in Jesus? Is your faith that there is a, 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 a God in heaven that is a good God and heaven is a good place? You know, we've all just cele celebrated Christmas and there would have probably been, for the most part, two groups of people. There would have been those people that um, were preparing their homes for the, their guests to come. And they went out of their way, and it's Christmas Day, and all the best stuff came out. And if you're like me, it's the only time of the year you look up recipes to, to cook something, so to make sure that it's not going to be a flop, because I do enjoy doing some cooking, and that it's going to be the best that I can do. So only time of year I use a recipe. <laughs> and... And we prepare this, this, and we find the best stuff, and it, we buy the best ingredients, and, and we go out because we're inviting people into our home. Yes, we want to celebrate Jesus, but it's also because we're inviting people into our home, and we want to host them, and we want to make sure this celebration of Jesus is, is the best it can be. And then there'll be other people that are excited that they're not doing all that work, but they get, have been invited somewhere. And they're going to arrive there, and they know the absolute best is going to have been put out for them. And they're going to enjoy this, this incredible hospitality. How much more is Jesus doing that for us? We read in John 14, verses 1 and 2. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you in His Father's house. Heaven is going to be worth it. That's for sure. The next thing I'd like to look at comes from the passage of Scripture I read from Matthew 6 verse 21. Where is your heart? Matthew 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what stood out for me here? Is it didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And I think sometimes these little subtleties can catch us out. Sometimes we can think, oh, I've got a good heart. I, I like caring for people and all that. doesn't mean... <laughs> Your treasure is going to be in heaven. It's saying here that you must, 
where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Your treasure is what you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? What's the thing that gets you most excited? If you start a conversation and you have nothing else to talk about, what do you start talking about? Right now, I'm a bit embarrassed to say, for me, it's fishing. If you've ever spoken to me and not had a conversation about fishing, something's wrong. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, something went astray. But you see, our treasures are what we're actually passionate about. Our treasures are what we protect. A treasure is something of high value. A treasure is something that we, we protect. We've all seen the stories about, you know, the hidden treasure and all that. You don't leave treasure out in the open where anybody can just come in and steal it. Ah, treasure is what you treasure. You protect it. It's what you lock in the safe at home. It's the thing that if somebody else tries to take, you defend it. So what is your treasure? What is that thing that you're passionate about? What is that thing that you will fight for? What is that thing that you will chase after? Because that's where your heart's going to be. That's where your heart's going to be. And if we want to be storing up treasures in heaven, our heart needs to be chasing after our Lord Jesus. It needs to be chasing after His gospel. You see, because it's the treasure that's going to lead our hearts. We heard that thing, Lord, I give you my heart. Are we really giving Him our heart? Because that's what we need to do. This is not a, I'm not trying to come across here in any judgmental way or anything of the sort. What I'm sharing here is what God has spoken to me. But it's challenged me. Challenged me this. Where is my treasure? Because I suddenly realized maybe my heart isn't where I thought it was. Maybe it's focused on, on my treasure rather than God's treasure. Maybe it's focused here on earth rather than in heaven. And then I think in this passage of scripture we also see a, what I would regard as a warning to us. And that is Matthew 6 verse 22. Where are your eyes? I want to read from the King James Version. It reads like this, Matthew 6.22. It says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. And by single, it means our eye must be focused on God. And I just thought that wording really caught my attention, that we, we need to understand that we need to be focused on God. And God alone. Because if we're not... We're not letting in light. We're letting in darkness. That passage of Scripture went on to, on to say, if, if your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy. That's how it reads in the ESV. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. We don't want that. We want our eyes to be fixed upon Jesus and Jesus alone. I think if we, if we read in Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what we're looking towards. We're looking towards the Jesus. He did that for us. You know, where your eye is, you'll listen to sportsmen speak about keep your eye on the ball or keep your eye on the goal or keep your eye on your opponent. Maybe those of you that drive, you've been driving down the road and something on the side of the road catches your attention and you start staring at it. Next thing you know, you're nearly driving to it. Not on the road. <laughs> you see, where our eyes go, that's where we go. In, in one of those commentaries, they use the description of try walking through snow looking at your feet and then look back and see how straight the path is. Or walk through the snow looking at your goal and see how straight your path is. See, what our eyes see is, is what we're going to see. It's what we're going to be heading towards. The, eye, the, the treasure that we have our eyes fixed on is the treasure we're going to pursue. We need to be aware of what we see. I think through this whole, um, through, through the preparing this, there was one story for me that um, just kept on coming to mind. And in a few moments, I want to just play a, a short video clip, but uh, just to give you some background on it. And um, most of you would probably have heard of the, in the 1950s, the, there were the missionaries. Among them was a man, Jim Elliott, that went deep into the Amazon and they were, were murdered by the, that tribe. And I was just so aware all through this preparation of the quote, made, one of the quotes made by Jim Elliott, where he said, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I think for me, this anchored this passage of Scripture for me. We need to come to this place of understanding this quote and believing in this. That he is no fool that gives up what he cannot keep. We cannot keep earthly treasure. The word is telling us. And when we've got to give it up, it's not going to be easy. It's going to come with a price. It's going to come with inconvenience. But we're giving it up to gain something we can never lose. And what we gain is not our own shrunken worldly perspective of what's good, but rather it will be what Jesus has for us. And this, tri this group of people, there were five men that went into this, this tribe. And it wasn't just a case of they foolishly went into this tribe, because this tribe was... They were actually the Waodani tribe, but they were known as the Alka tribe by the locals. And Alka means savages. This tribe had a homicide rate of around 60%. The average person didn't live past 30 in the tribe because they would literally kill each other. That is how violent they were. So these guys didn't just decide one day, well, they're going to land here and just go into this tribe. They flew around a few times and they dropped gifts. And then on one of the occasions, the gift was given back to them. And they used to fly with the aeroplane. It's quite interesting. Apparently, they used to circle around this pilot 
I think Nate Saint was the pilot, if I remember correctly. And he used to circle around in such a way that the, the container would stay in the middle of where the plane was, that they were lowering the gifts down with. So this, the, the tribe would be able to come and take the gifts out of this basket that they'd lowered down on a 100-foot rope, 30-odd meters. Alec will know, circling a plane at 30 meters. Let's try it one day. <laughs> and and they, would, they would drop. So that, and then on one occasion, these Indians, the, this Alka Indian tribe, actually gave them a gift back. And then they decided to go and land there one day. And they made the first ever peaceful contact with this tribe. Until a few days later, their wives lost um, the signal, the, the radio messages from them. And they realized something was wrong. And a few days later, they found that these guys had been, had been murdered. But what I want to show you now is a short video clip. And the, you're going to see two men in this clip. One of them is, is uh, one of these Indians by the name of Munkai. And he was one of the men that speared these people. He was literally one of them that speared. And the man that's translating for him is Steve Saint. His father was one of the people that was speared. I want you to listen to this man's testimony. You're going to hear a few things in his, in his testimony. You're going to hear him talk about God's trail. And the reason I'm mentioning this in advance is because the significance of it is as a tribe, they used to, there was so much violence that they would often get scattered and they would leave markings on the trees that afterwards the families could find themselves, find each other again. Doesn't that sound a bit like the gospel? Where we got so separated through sin and everything else, we got separated from our father. And he had to come and show us a way back. So I want you to realize that when he speaks of the markings. And then I also want you to just listen. Because he also speaks a bit of gold. The treasures that are in heaven. And then after we've watched that, we'll close with a short quote and, and a prayer. He's saying, people, do you know how to walk God's trail? He gave us his markings so that we can see the trail. When the Waurani used to kill each other, they would be separated, but the children would follow their father's markings so that they could find him again. And these are God's markings. He sent his son down here, dripping his blood. He marked the trail. And with that same blood, grandfather says, Father Creator can wash our hearts clean like the sky when it has no clouds in it so we can see this trail. You just have to follow the markings. I teach the people, if you walk your trail, where are you going to end up? Your name is not written there. But he said, but if you walk God's trail, your name, is all, your name is already marked there. And coming there, God has made a place for us to live. It's like he knows when we go into the motel, we have to write our name there to sleep. And he says, your name is already written there at the place that God has made. And you don't even have to play, pay a room rate. No tax. 
He didn't say that, obviously. Me, I didn't. Me, I didn't. I came at the mom. When you get my me, I didn't. I came at the me, I know what I did. Come on. Only now, my I don't know. He said, if you're, if you're not a coming after one, then maybe you won't understand this. Ask God to clean your heart so that you too can see it. If you don't walk God's trail, he doesn't know your name. You're going on your own trail. That's bad, bad. That makes me cry, he said. My heart was dark like my shirt. But but the king calls to us. They don't have any leadership, but he knows that the king is the strong one who can tell us what to do. He said, the king is calling to us and calling to us. Come walk my trail. I want to be reunited with you. God calling to me said, which trail do you want to walk? And I finally answered, I want to walk your trail. Why would I walk my own trail with no place waiting for me there? He says, in God's place, it's like Odo, it's like gold. It's a very good place. He knows we all wear gold to signify precious, and so he's saying, you folks like gold, wait till you get to God's place. He's inspired. He said, I think you were like me before. You didn't see this trail either, did you? Somebody has to teach us to walk the trail. Somebody has to teach us the markings, and then we need to teach others. Later, he says, when I was living badly, badly, then what happened? Then Star, uh, Aunt Rachel, and Woodpecker, Aunt Betty, she's very tall, long neck. He said, they came, and they are the ones that taught me God's markings. Dark. My heart was dark like this. How could I see? How could I see? I, nobody had ever showed me this trail. I didn't know how to walk it. I said no to the king. What the king said, I said no at first. But God called my own name to him. Now my heart is not dark anymore. God sent his own son down here to the dirt so that he could show us how. Why would any of you not want to be coming after ones? Why would you not want to walk the same trail that God's own son, his only son, marked for us with his blood?
Isn't that amazing? It looked like a savage from a tribe with a 60% homicide rate. Sitting with a man whose father he killed. How great is the gospel. How great is our God. Now look at that. How do you think Jesus and our Father God feel watching that? You think they're filled with awe and excitement? Seeing a soul saved? Not only a soul saved, but now he's traveling the world. Speaking God's word. We've just sat and watched the video of, of him sharing his testimony. Isn't it amazing? What reward, what treasure do you think is in heaven for the people that played a part in that man becoming who he is today? What treasure do you think awaits them in heaven? It's not one person. It's not only about the five people that lost their lives, that were martyred. Because afterwards, their wives and sisters and that went in and lived with the tribe. Steve Saint himself went in for a while and lived with that tribe. You know why? Because they desired to know more about God. Wouldn't you love to have the, the treasure that those people are going to have for what they achieved? I just want to quote Jim Elliott's quote again, and then we'll close in prayer. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Father God, we come to you in prayer with this incredible message, this incredible testimony. Yes, it's challenging, but Lord Jesus, you are so much bigger than the challenge. You've made the way for us already. You've marked out the trail. You've paid the price. Everything is done for us already. You are preparing the place for us. You are preparing the treasures in heaven. Yeah, on earth, if we desire a treasure, we have to work and toil for it ourselves and, and then try and protect it afterwards and, and all that. But the treasures in heaven, you, you are preparing them for us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that for every single one of us here, we would go into this year knowing that there's nothing more important than you, that our eyes would be fixed upon you, that our hearts would be fixed upon you, that, Lord Jesus, we would pursue you above all else, that nothing else would matter, nothing else. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you will go before us today, that we would enjoy the rest of this day, but through this day, the words that you've shared with us this morning would settle in, that it would not just be a case of we walk out here now and forget the words that you've placed on our hearts or the promptings, but that we would go out and seek you. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.